Oh, is this Sarah McBride, verified user of Twitter.com with 16.5 thousand followers and 18.5 Facebook followers, who also just so happens to be the national press secretary at the Human Rights Campaign and the first ever trans person to speak at a major party's national convention, <coughs> Hillary Clinton? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Wow. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. This is such a coincidence. What a coincidence. I can't believe it. I was just watching an episode of The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Um, So, Sarah, which of the old delusionally ignorant white men Donald Trump surrounds himself with would you rather accidentally spill a drink on at a party? (laughs) Well, um, I would say that, uh, you know, if I happened to spill a drink on Vice President Mike Pence, I probably wouldn't be uh, super disappointed. Uh, And I think, what was that? I said, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You all agree? You you would still drink on Mike Pence as well? Yes, I hope he's wearing white when it happens. (laughs) (laughs) There was just a fantastic queer dance party outside of Mike Pence's house um, that I was watching a video of that was just fantastic. And I hope he was enjoying it as much as I was. I want that to be my new Twitter bio. Queer (laughs) dance party outside of Mike Pence's house. I feel like that's my perpetual aesthetic in life. (laughs) Over the last couple years, the political climate in the U.S. has become increasingly scary. People of color are under attack. Queer and trans people are under attack. Women's rights? You guessed it, they're under attack. The post-election vibe amongst young women is, this sucks, I want to help, but how? My name is Jill Gutowitz. And I'm Carmen Rias. We're bringing together your favorite stars with politicians, activists, and analysts to talk current issues, U.S. government, and activism. We're all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wokeness. This is The Bossy Show. We're here with Amanda McKenna, also known as Amanda's Chronicles on YouTube. Hi, Amanda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) Thanks for being on our show. Thank you for having me. Do you think that there's a lot of people going to the Women's March to to Tinder? Yeah. Absolutely. Not maybe they're not going to Tinder, but they will. Yeah. It'll be a happy byproduct of like all yeah. these like fierce feminist women like coming together. Yeah. Like, hey, it's gonna be a really great day. Yeah, like Tinder should have sponsored the march. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, yes. But also like, isn't there like gonna be no cell service because there's too many people? Is that how things work? That is what mm-hmm. they say. That is what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's like worried about losing service. <laughs> I would be really sad if the huge group text between me and my coworkers had to be canceled before I could send my bitmoji. Or your Tinder profile. Worried about losing rights, but also that service. Wait, meanwhile, can we just can you just tell us what your Tinder bio is, Carmen? <laughs> um well I did a Twitter poll. Right. Mm-hmm. The results were conclusive with over 40% of users on the popular social media website Twitter.com voting for fans only. <laughs> so, um, yes. so I did my civic duty. This is a, you know, democracy. In the words of one person who added me, democracy is a hell of a drug. Um, Before we play a round of Trump Tinder with Amanda, don't ask, you'll see. There's some stuff you should know. Obviously, as we've already seen, a Donald Trump presidency is shaky at best, terrifying at worst. But the scariest part of the next four years might not be Trump. It could be his administration. The cabinet members Trump picked are like a Pandora's box of insanity. Sarah Kenzior is a journalist who covered the 2016 election heavily, and she knows everything about Trump's cabinet. So we gave her a call.
Hey, Sarah, it's Jill. Hey, how are you? So we have Sarah Kenzior on the line. She is a journalist who covered the 2016 election extensively. Um, Sarah, will you tell us what you do a little bit? Um, well, I cover, you know, I've been covering Trump for the last year um, in the election in general. Before that, uh, I was a researcher on authoritarian states, especially in the former Soviet Union, um, which is not a skill I thought would be useful in this election cycle in my own country, but <laughs> unfortunately it was. Um, and so, you know, now I'm continuing to do uh, a little bit of both. What do you find the most concerning about the political landscape right now in the wake of the election? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> where to begin? Uh, you know, Basically, the the fundamental violation of our democratic traditions, of our constitutional order, um, the cruelty and and bigotry uh, that I think has been pulled from the fringes into the mainstream, um, and that's been happening all year. That's not something that happened on Election Day, Um, you know, and which also taps into deep-seated problems we've had uh, in America, you know, since the founding of our country, um, you know, tapping into racism and to uh, oppressive segregated societies. Uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm concerned uh, because I don't trust um, the ability of Trump or his administration to make good decisions for this country. I think he's appointed people in the cabinet uh, whose job seems to be to destroy the, the institutions that they're supposed to, to protect uh, and represent. And the cost of that to the American public is very great. Um, I'm predicting a lot of suffering, you know, in the next few years and predicting a major restructuring of uh, how we live. Um, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a difficult time and a, a long fight. What do you think Donald Trump's cabinet tells us about Donald Trump's administration or about Donald Trump's White House? Um, you know, there's a few aspects to it. You know, on the domestic side, he's appointed people uh, who traditionally have been viewed as too extreme, uh, too bigoted, or too unqualified to hold positions. Uh, somebody like, you know, Jeff Sessions, who who is a, you know, notorious racist. Um, and so, you know, that I think came from uh, some of his staff, like Steve Bannon, who also have these white supremacist views. I think they're meant to bolster um, ideas of of racism and white supremacy that, again, were uh, more fringe opinions that are now mainstream. From a foreign perspective, um, a foreign policy perspective, it's clear that he's picking an administration that will serve the needs of Russia uh, over American interests. The appointment of somebody like Rex Tillerson, who has an order of friendship personally given to him by Putin, is a red flag. Um, I think the worst person in the cabinet is is Michael Flynn, uh, who will be in charge of national security, who's a conspiracy theorist um, and also an ally of Putin. Uh, These are not people I trust to make good decisions. Um, you know, you also see this in, in other cabinet positions. Ben Carson knows nothing about housing uh, and is in charge of housing. You know, the same is true for the education secretary. Today we heard, um, you know, that the, the secretary of energy had no idea the position had to do with nuclear weapons, which is a bit of a problem. Uh, that's not who you want in charge of nuclear weapons. You also don't want Trump in charge of nuclear weapons. Right. And so I think, um, you know, what we're seeing is that he's making good on his campaign promises in in certain respects that, you know, he's violating institutional norms, but this is definitely not the draining of the swamp that he proposed. These are all, you know, billionaires, corporate raiders. Uh, You know, they're the establishment in its own way, um, in kind of the worst way possible, a way that doesn't benefit the public at all. Of course. 
Based on Trump's campaign and the official GOP platform, what kinds of policies can we predict to roll through? Um, it's, it's hard to say uh, because Trump can be very erratic uh, and he's already proposing things that violate the Constitution. Uh, limitations on a free press, for example, or reclassifying protesters as economic terrorists, uh, as he said. And so those are some fairly uh, extreme things that, that fall more under authoritarianism. But I think we're also just going to see um, a really extreme version of GOP policies that have been in place for a while. You're already seeing this with the repeal of uh, ACA and the potential loss of health care for millions of Americans, um, some of whom have pre-existing conditions or chronic conditions and may be denied coverage. Uh, a lot of voters seem confused that this is the outcome, that you know they thought that this was going to be repealed but replaced with something. Uh, there's nothing currently on the table to replace it. And so that's an act of, um, you know, I, I just think incredible cruelty to people um, and also a sign of this privatization mode that Paul Ryan really embraces. I think the schools, uh, they seek to privatize the schools, potentially privatize things like national parks and other, you know, public land. And and that's dangerous. I mean, that's a loss of, uh, you know, freedom in American life. Um, it's also a, a loss of our, our daily quality of life. I don't know how far they'll push that because as much as people kind of resist government intrusion, um, you know, there are a lot of public things that, that we take for granted, uh, you know, that we enjoy as citizens or that we just kind of count on. You want to be able to send your kids to school. You want to be able to breathe fresh air and have clean water. Um, you know, I, I hope that those aren't luxuries in the years to come. Right. What is something people can do in red states and super conservative areas? To, uh, like last time we talked, you said you were worried about people in marginalized or, or marginalized people in, you know, those kind of areas. What's something people in red states can do to help? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Because if you look at a, a typical red state, and, you know, I'm in Missouri, which is now a blazing red state after being a purple state, um, about half the population of my state lives in seven counties out of 115 counties. And so we are actually located uh, in, in either urban or suburban areas. And, you know, a city like St. Louis uh, is mostly a black city. It also has a very high Muslim Bosnian population. Um, you know, basically what I'm saying is the red states are a lot more diverse than the media makes them out. And, you know, the rural areas are kind of where they concentrate on, you know, finding what they think is a typical Trump voter, usually an older white man who worked uh, in the manufacturing industry or something. Um, you know, I, I think the red states are, are hurting economically more than, than states on the coast. Uh, that was kind of the one thing that Trump got right, uh, that people are economically suffering. It would be good to have some kind of job plan. But in order to do that, you need to tackle issues like automation. Uh, everyone talks about immigration and they scapegoat immigrants, but that's not really uh, the big problem. It's it's automation and jobs, you know, that, that used to pay well now becoming uh, – service jobs. Uh, in terms of protecting people, you know, I think that uh, we need to just think about what's moral and what's right. I mean, we just had Martin Luther King Day, and, you know, very few people will go and condemn Martin Luther King, but that's because Martin Luther King, you know, not alive. Uh, the sort of modern equivalents of Martin Luther King get, get condemned all the time. But I think it's important to kind of look at the message, um, you know, of someone like him, of being resolute of uh, looking out for others and of being 
you know, honest about systematic problems that we have, uh, like racism and bigotry and discrimination, and prioritizing uh, the needs of the most vulnerable people. Um, you know, if you are in a marginalized community, I, I think this is the time to, to organize and, you know, to look out for each other. And if, you know, you're white, uh, if you have that kind of structural advantage, I, I think you're obligated as a citizen to look out for those, uh, you know, who are not in that position and to use what kind of leverage you can to protect people. Uh, because, you know, in the end, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, we might think that there's this giant divide uh, between red and blue America. It's a lot more complicated than that. And because I don't think Trump's administration is really aiming to, you know, help any of the voters, including those who voted for Trump, it's good if we all kind of realize that and you know, look for, for ways that we can, you know, protect ourselves from suffering, that we can better our own communities, that, you know, we can have some economic, you know, entrepreneurship that'll that'll benefit anyone. You know, we do have that that power to some extent. I think that they're going to try to take it away. So it's good to be uh, organizing locally as much as possible, I think. Well, you talk a little bit about um, flyover country. You wrote a book called Flyover Country. And just tell us what that means. Yeah, I mean, you know, I live in Missouri, and they, they basically call everything between the coasts flyover country. And like I said, there's a huge amount of diversity, um, you know, within, obviously, an enormous amount of states. But even if you just look at one state, like a small town in Missouri is very different than a big city in Missouri. Missouri is very different, you know, from a state like Nebraska or Ohio. We all have our own culture, uh, you know, but what we have in common is that we really tend to be uh, overlooked by politicians and by the media unless they want something. And you kind of see this in all the very stereotypical portrayals of uh, what things are like here. And so, you know, I wish that there wasn't this inequality um, between where I live and when I go to visit a city like New York or D.C., you know, I feel like Katniss and the Hunger Games that I'm going out to see the Capitol from District 12. It wasn't always like that. Um, I think we all like feel like in, that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we're all getting a taste of, you know, what, what it's like to, to be on the losing side. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't always like that. Like in the late 70s, um, you know, the economies of St. Louis and New York were very similar. And we've just had this huge disparity. Uh since the recession, and that's kind of the only thing that holds, you know, quote-unquote flyover country together is, you know, economic misery to some extent, um, which, of course, they, they have that on the coast as well. It's not like everyone on the coast is living it up. Uh, and, and then a sense of being overlooked that definitely can lead to resentment, and I think that Trump was very good at exploiting that resentment. Right. Carmen, do you have any questions? No, I'm I'm just really shook. I know. I think we are all oh, really sorry. shook. <laughs> I'm very shook, Sarah. Okay, we're back with Amanda McKenna. Welcome to Trump Tinder, where you can objectify and rankify every loser who attempted to achieve greatness but didn't even come close. So now they're stuck hanging out with Donald Trump. Love. <laughs> Amanda, how are you? Are you still with us? I'm good. I'm here. I'm I'm thriving. Amazing. I'm amazing. <laughs> are you <laughs> Are you ready to swipe right or swipe left on Trump's cabinet? Okay, well, so my question, I haven't been in the game for a bit. So what is left and right? <laughs> which one's the which one's the good one? Carmen, you're on Tinder right now. 
Literally right now, you're swiping. Okay, whatever. So maybe I was. Um, You swipe left for no or because you're so used to it that you don't have the ability to stop yourself. <laughs> like you l- start losing the muscle control and then you accidentally swipe left on Jill's profile when you should be lurking her. <laughs> you swiped left on me? I told, I texted anyway. Oh my. Or you swipe right, which is no. No, no, no you swipe, swipe right, right, which is yes. Okay. See, that's how rarely I do it. Yeah, you can See, also super like. You can swipe up to super like, which I do by accident a lot. No, that's like so sketch. I heard you have to pay to super like. Is that no, true? No, you run out of super likes. You're not going to in this game. But oh my God. <laughs> you run out of super likes and then they try to upcharge you. Kind of like when you try to rewind your Tinder so you can unswipe left on Jill. Okay, Carmen, Car- first of all, you need to stop super liking people because that is thirsty. I don't super like people on purpose. It's always like, I'm like, no, oh, yeah. I think I'm like scrolling through a profile and then I'm like, oh my God, I just, what? What just happened? Yeah. What? And then there's like a, a starburst on the screen. <laughs> it's like a really momentous occasion. Okay. And I'm just like, I have to ignore you though. Yeah. No, I'm I'm happy. So I if was I ever really... get a super like from you, then that's I know it's not it's huge not mistake. Real. Yeah, Got it's it. actually it's actually yeah it's actually a sign of rejection. So I was like <laughs> trying to swipe yeah. left, but like you know just I got out of practice. Right. Okay. Well, so to some in summation, swipe left for no. Okay. Swipe right for yes. Got it. Okay. Former Goldman Sachs executive who literally benefited from the economic crisis in 2009 by buying a failed bank and selling it off five years later for a huge profit. His side business is called Rat Pack Dune (laughs) Entertainment. This is Steven Mnuchin. Well, he sounds like an upstanding gentleman in this uh, in this troubling time. (laughs) I'm going to have to say left. Yeah, yeah. That's smart. Full on left. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, whatever. Well, how about this one? Coming in. Hot. At 5'8", this silver fox was the CEO of ExxonMobil during the spill of Valdez, one of the most devastating human-caused environmental disasters of our time. He is the past president of Boy Scouts of America, a former Eagle Scout, and thus definitely not gay. <laughs> he was awarded the Order of Friendship by Vladimir Putin in 2012. This is Rex Tillerson! Didn't you want to call him Sex Tillerson? Sex Tillerson. I think that... <laughs> They all have names where they could be turned into names about sex that they would not enjoy. So we should, like, push forward with it. Right. Wait, he was given an award of friendship by Vladimir Putin? What does that mean? It's like a... What does that mean? You know, the Kremlin, whatever that is. Right. Um, they, you know, I'm assuming it was some sort of plaque. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read an article that said he actually isn't friends with Putin but like we all know that when you say you're not friends more with than someone, friends yeah exactly like they make out we know that he he, he swept right and it wasn't on Trump Tinder it was on Grindr <laughs> got it I'm gonna have to swipe left just because I don't want to like step in between like the love he has with Putin and I feel like I don't we don't need that in as this nation that's very moral of you that's thank fair. you he spent 44 years in the military but zero time in civilian posts Known endearingly by his friends as Mad Dog, one of his many pieces of advice is be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. What? That's a real quote. I guess he's super chill. This is James Mattis. What? Wait, maybe he's on our side because he maybe he's like secretly like against Trump and he's like double agenting, right? We can probably not. Mad Dog. I'm going to I'm gonna say a left. I'm yep. going to say a oh, big old left right there. Hard pass. Who? 
Why isn't there an option on Tinder that's like the opposite of a super like where you can just like pull someone's icon into a dumpster? That's called report uh, and block. And no, my really. <laughs> Blocked abuse. and reported. Yeah, that's, that's what that's called. <laughs> Next up is another guy who's never been laid. This notably sexist man was literally rejected by the Senate in 1987 for a shot at becoming a federal judge because he was too racist in 1987. When asked while under oath at his confirmation hearing whether he had ever joined in the jovial chanting of lock her up at a Trump rally, he declaratively replied, I don't know. This is Jeff Sessions, who I believe we should call Jeff Sections. Oh, my God. Jeff Sexon might actually be even better. I understand. I have no words. I, in, in, how old is this man? He was doing things in the 80s. He was he, racist in the 80s. You know, I got to say that I watched and listened to that confirmation hearing and can confirm quite old. Quite. <laughs> He's very old. Aged. Yes, perhaps elderly. I mean, can you believe that was a real thing that happened in a hearing like under oath? They were like, did you ever chant lock her up? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. <laughs> Someone someone was like, in the 70s, you said blah, blah, blah. Is that true? And his reply was literally to be like, well, that's what they said in the quotes. So <laughs> must be true. I'm like, sir. Okay. They say memory goes first. Honestly. Um, and not the racism. That didn't go yet. Right. But we still have time. Um, to left, 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 left. Right, I right. Would rep- honestly, I would report and block on and, that. Yeah. I would just delete the app at that point. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm good, guys. Thanks. Uh, don't delete the app yet because it's actually going to get worse. <laughs> this former orthopedist and six-term Georgia congressman <laughs> wants to and has tried to replace Obamacare with a worse version of Obamacare <laughs> that benefits rich people. When asked what would happen to the women who rely on it for birth control coverage, he is on record saying, bring me one woman that has been left behind. Not one woman has. Actual facts say one-third of women in the U.S. struggled to pay for birth control before the ACA's contraceptive mandate went into effect. I, however, am getting that quote tattooed on my lower back this summer. <laughs> this is Tom Price. <laughs> um, wow. What a guy. A lot, a lot to take in. Lot, so much to take in. I just don't... Okay. <laughs> You're wrong. You're just incorrect, sir. But thanks for trying. This is this is who Donald J. Trump chose yeah. as a human. At real Donald Trump. Yeah. To wow. run humans, human services. Well, I'm right. going to say left, but also, so wait, so Donald Trump is like on Twitter. He does the Twitter things. But what about at POTUS? Like Obama? Because it's like POTUS is like president of the United States. So yeah. it's like, is he going to have to change his handle well, when like, I, he goes in? No, or what? I think that Barack Obama has his own account. Uh-huh. And then at POTUS is the account that's also run by the White House. So I think I, well, I think it will get handled. So that'll off. that'll get like yeah. Well, I read like after the I read this week that they somebody asked Donald Trump if he's going to be taking that over, and he, like obviously the answer is like yes, right? But because he's Donald Trump, he was like, well, I think that my Twitter performs really well, so I'll just stick with at real Donald Trump. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, just stick with at real Donald Trump. <laughs> You're the president. Oh my God, I love it. Swipe left. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> All right, well, how about this? How about this? I challenge you. Oh, it's going to be a good one. So a neurosurgeon with literally zero government experience whose spokesperson said he has no government experience (laughs) and um, the last thing he would want to do was take a position that would cripple the presidency, decided to do it anyway. This is Ben (laughs) Carson. Yes. 
I love him. <laughs> I have no experience. Hello. I'm a blank slate. Um, Quote, unquote, no government experience. That's amazing. Well, I mean, he has potential to be good. I mean, if we're looking at it, he's done nothing wrong. He hasn't done anything. But none of you left. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all that, of that. Those it, noises. To sum up the entire election. <laughs> yeah. Three and a half term governor of Texas and two time total failure in two presidential <laughs> primary races. He's on record saying he doesn't believe his department should exist. I like his glasses, but he still can't get it. This is Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Rick Perry. That sounds so ooh, ooh. Ooh. Um, No, left. No. Left, but not as bad as as some others. So good for him for not being as bad as the rest. You're still bad. You're not as worse as the other ones. Are you saying that you, like, clicked on his profile and, like, scrolled through the pics? Yes. Before you said no. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, like I like surfer, wow, like, but it's like no. Yeah, then you saw like a bad theme song. You were like, can mm. an anti-union, anti-workers' rights fast food CEO, who has publicly stated often that he opposes raising the minimum wage, opposes overtime pay, and opposes paid sick leave. All laws and regulations he will oversee should he get his job as the Secretary of Labor. <laughs> he did, however, once describe beautiful women eating burgers in, bequi- in bikinis as, quote, very American, to which I was forced to reply simply, same. This is Andrew Puzder. <laughs> it me. <laughs> me, though. Oh, my goodness. What, like... I, I love I love how he doesn't want sick leave and he doesn't want my to raise. He doesn't just like I don't want humans to be happy is basically what, like what I'm hearing. That's incredible. No, no. no. Um, so left. But oh, wow. You're getting oh. no matches, Amanda. I'm getting no matches. What's wrong with me? Honestly, yeah. I should look like inwards. Yeah. Like what, what am I doing wrong? I feel like you're projecting onto Trump's cabinet right yeah. now. <laughs> OK, up next, we have a female. Oh, mm hmm. Right. Which, okay, well, go on. Yeah, uh, yeah. hold your tongue. Um, her net worth is over $5 billion. She believes more deeply in private schools and charter schools than public schools, but is apparently excited to take office as the, at the, as the Secretary of Education. <laughs> the good news is she believes education reform can, quote, advance God's kingdom. This is Betsy DeVos. Betsy? Betsy! Betsy! God's kingdom. I love it. <laughs> what is happening? Okay, um, so no, but I want to know, like, who hurt her. Like, I want to know, like, what her life was like. I want to see, like, a whole documentary series on Betsy. Betsy, who hurt you? The who documentary. Hurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so I didn't get anyone? So you got, um, no matches, unfortunately, so... That so. sucks. It's going to be a rough four years for you, Amanda. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> It'll like just download Grindr like, real quick yeah. and then see what else is out there. It's Grindr's going to get canceled. Let's be real. Can a president cancel Grindr? <laughs> um, you know, honestly, probably soon. Is this a good yeah. time to talk about how lesbians should have Grindr? Lesbians should have Grindr. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Except I feel like inevitably if we achieved this kind of like 
really amazing. You know, if we knock down this one last standing barrier in our way to full equality. This is the last thing. This is the la- the grinder gap. If we close Yes. If we close the grinder gap, I think that honestly all that's gonna happen is like we're gonna ruin grinder. Like there's gonna be people on grinder like just looking for someone to feed my cat while I'm on vacation yeah. or like not trying not trying to mess around. Like only contact <laughs> me if you're serious. Yeah, I don't I don't even think like we honestly as a community we don't deserve grinder. <laughs> but like at the women's march, like bring that up, you know, and like let's see what we can do. Yeah, this yeah. is our platform. Okay, <laughs> Amanda, <be> soft, honestly, <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much for being here and playing our stupid game with us, <laughs> where we obviously just wanted you to be like, this sucks. Honestly, like God bless America. <laughs> yeah. If we learned one thing tonight, it's mm, God bless America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Bossy Show. But wait, there's more. Stay tuned for episode one, part two. We went to the Women's March on Washington with Fifth Harmony's Lauren Haregi. Yeah, you heard that right. Want to get involved? Here's something you can do right now to make a difference. Call your local representatives and urge them not to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Just go to house.gov representatives find, type in your zip code, and find your reps. Make sure you're registered to vote. Follow at The Bossy Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr for pics from inside the show and more. Special thanks to Amanda McKenna, Sarah Kenzior, and Sarah McBride for being on our show. The Bossy Show is recorded at Sonic Pool Post Productions in Hollywood. Music by Johnny Franco and audio engineering by Drew Frost. See you next time. Just kidding, we won't see you because this is a radio show.